Today on Com Talk, we're talking about the graphic novel adaptation of Dracula. Rogue signal intercepted. Signal designation. Bees, views, and reviews. Signal host Branson Boykin initiating Com Talk. Good evening. Welcome to Bees, Views, and Reviews, the podcast that promotes faith-based, family-friendly comics and the creators that make them. Brought to you by Geek Devotions, a show by devoted geeks devoted to letting you know that you are loved. I am B, and today on a very special Fangtober episode, we are taking a look at the graphic novel adaptation of the literary classic Dracula. Dracula was written by Bram Stoker and was originally published in 1897. And now we are done with the accent. Sorry, guys, I was going to try to do that for the whole episode, but it's not happening. As I said, we are participating in Fangtober this week. And, or this month, excuse me, and we're going to be talking about a graphic novel adaptation of the classic Dracula. Dracula was originally published in 1897. It was written by Bram Stoker, and uh, the publishing company Usborne made a graphic novel version of the story in an effort to make it more accessible to younger audiences. So this month, since we're doing Fangtober, I'm going to be taking a look at that. Now, Dracula, the story Dracula, follows the exploits of a count for whom the novel is named, Count Dracula of Transylvania. The story starts out with a man named Jonathan Harker who's visiting the count to settle the purchase of an estate in England. Dracula is purchasing land in England, and Jonathan Harker is there to kind of sign the final paperwork and make sure that everything is in order. Unfortunately, Jonathan has a horrifying and haunting experience while he is a guest in the Count's castle. He sees weird, strange, uh, unexplainable things that frighten him. His life is even attempted at by other people who live in the castle. He's able to escape from Dracula's castle, but unfortunately Dracula follows him to England and there begins to prey on innocent people, including Jonathan Harker's fiance Mina. The story follows Jonathan, uh, excuse me, not her fiance, wife, the story follows Jonathan, Mina, and their band of friends as they seek to end the threat of Dracula once and for all. Now, the legend of the vampire didn't start with Dracula. The legend of the vampire had been around for a little while, but the novel Dracula is what propelled the concept of a vampire into the, the popular stories. You know, that when people think of vampires, they think of Dracula. So Dracula is certainly the most popular vampire. The story has all the classic elements of what we traditionally know a vampire story to be. Vampires are immortal. They're able to turn into animals like bats and wolves. They're able to control creatures like insects and things like that. They seek to drink the blood of the innocent. Uh, They're harmed by sunlight. They're repelled by holy sacraments and crucifixes and garlic. Um, If they bite someone and that person survives, they themselves become a vampire. So you see all of these classic elements that you see in these vampire movies and such it's all present in this novel because this novel is kind of the foundation this is what all other vampires base themselves off of all the way down to even the twilight movies twilight does what it does in response to dracula so uh, i actually read the unabridged version of dracula when i was in the eighth grade So that to me is what I think of when I think of vampire. And as such, a lot of these modern takes on the vampire, uh, I don't have as much appreciation for 
because I'm a big fan of the classics, but you know, that's just me. In reading the story, both the novel and the graphic novel adaptation, the most interesting character for me is Professor Van Helsing. Um, he's just this professor who has a, a lot of knowledge about the vampire legend. And I don't think the story ever spells out exactly why he knows so much, but he's the first person to kind of figure out that, hey, these weird things that are happening are the result of vampires. He's, you know, he, he sees the bite marks on a, a, a lady named Lucy who gets attacked by Dracula. He sees the bite marks and recognizes what's going on. He, he uh, knows to use a crucifix, knows to use uh, holy wafers of the Eucharist to repel the vampires. He understands their weaknesses. So, and the story never really explains how he knows all this stuff. But he's able to use that information and that knowledge to teach others on how they're supposed to fight a vampire. So I find him to be the most interesting character out of all of this. All right, guys, we're going to take a quick commercial break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about uh, faith as a symbol in the story and whether or not this is something you're going to want your kids to read. We'll be right back. Welcome, adventurers! Are you looking for an actual play podcast without profanity? Or maybe one that even Grandma can love? Well, you're in luck! Introducing Playing Games with Strangers! A bunch of voice actors get together to play Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition, and weave a tale of comedy, tragedy, and dad jokes. And, on the plus side, the whole family can listen. Subscribe to the show at PlayingGamesWithStrangers.com. New episodes release every Monday at 6 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Welcome back to Bees Using Reviews, where we are talking about the graphic novel adaptation of Dracula. Now, <laughs> I've, I've noticed that, um, you know, with it being Fangtober, Dracula is not exactly faith-based in that it's a, it's not a story about Jesus or about how to approach Jesus, but there are elements of faith in the story. For example, I mentioned before about the things that repel a vampire, a crucifix, um, the use of the, the holy wafers from the Eucharist to keep vampires away. There are these symbols of faith that keep the, the vampire at bay, that keep them trapped. And what I really appreciate about that is that, I mean, Dracula is a very, very dark story. And, and, and reading most of it, there's a whole lot of negative. There's a whole lot of bad. You know, you've got this evil count who is ruling over Transylvania, and now he's got a foothold in England. Everyone that comes up against him is, is defeated. Um, there are several times where the, the team of people try to capture Dracula, and they never can catch up to him. He's always too strong, too powerful. He always finds a way to uh, work past their defenses. There's there's even a scene where everyone's just so careful to make sure that uh, the intended victim is protected, and then a guy falls asleep. He just falls asleep for just a second, and it is enough that Dracula is able to exploit that weakness. So you see this, this constant hounding of, of evil against these characters and it can get really dark and really heavy at times but the one surefire thing 
that always stops Dracula are these holy symbols, the uh, the the Holy Eucharist, the the crucifix, these symbols of faith. They're permanent. Um, you know, uh, Dracula can't bring himself to approach a crucifix. There's a really cool scene where uh, Professor Van Helsing is trying to protect Mina from other vampires in the land, and he takes bread of the Eucharist, crumbles it up into into crumbs, and spreads it in a circle around their camp. And because the holy wafer is in the ground around the camp, the vampires can't actually cross over into that line. So you see constantly these symbols of faith being really a, a form of reprieve against evil. They, they you know, these these guys, they have to constantly be vigilant. They have to always be awake. They have to always watch out for this evil, except for when they've got these holy symbols around them. So I'm not sure if Bram Stoker meant for that to be a case, but I think it's a beautiful picture of how when we need a break from the, the woes of this world, we need a break from how heavy and dark and evil this world can feel. The, these these items of faith, the, the cross of Jesus Christ and, and him breaking his body for us and shedding his blood for us, these, these symbols act as a reminder that we actually can have reprieve from the evil. That it's 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 a it's a definite stop. You know, even if we're tired or whatever, we can depend on these symbols of faith or, or really just our faith in Christ to protect us. So I like that element of it. Uh, you got to dig a little bit to get it. it. It wasn't as not obvious in the story. Uh, you know, the the way the story was written, these holy symbols, it's almost like a shaman. Like, you know, I hold up this special medallion and it keeps you away. But given the fact that it's uh, Christian symbols, I think there's some really, really cool stories there. As far as the artwork for the graphic novel adaptation, you can tell that the artist drew it specifically for people who were not familiar with comics. Um, and, and I don't say that as a negative. The arrangement of the panels on the page are very straightforward. Uh, there, there's not a lot of artistic licenses <laughs> with with the things. Uh, you know, like a lot of the comics that I read, uh, especially in the 90s, uh, sometimes they would uh, take some liberties with the way the, the panel was laid out. And, and the panel layout was a work of art in and of itself. And it looked really cool. But to the uninitiated, people who have never read comics before, it would be hard to read. Uh, the artist that does the artwork for Dracula, it's it's very simple. All the panels, by and large, are, are squares arranged in order. It's very easy to read. So if you've got someone who's not really familiar with comics or new to comics, this is a great one for them to read because the, the panel layouts are very simplistic. The art itself is very well done. Uh, you know, it's it's simple, simple line work uh, and, and, and uh, coloring. Uh, I do like that uh, a lot of the scenes with Dracula involve a lot of very cool colors. So you get this dark foreboding sense when he's around. But it's it's drawn in such a way that that if you're try if you're new to comics, you don't understand how to read comics, it, it really gets it. So it's a great way of introducing the the graphic novel. Uh, you know, if you've got a kid who's interested in Dracula, uh, this would be a good way to introduce them. As far as content, now this is this is really the main reason why I wanted to focus on this specific version of the uh, adaptation of Dracula. When uh, I was told that you know we were doing Faintober and that vampires would be the theme 
for this month. I, I searched high and low trying to find a family-friendly vampire comic. And let me tell you, I, I didn't find any. The closest thing I could find would was an Avengers Assemble graphic novel based on the kids' TV show where they fought Dracula. And I was before I found this, I was going to do that. So I'm, I'm saying all that to say, uh, comic creators, if you're listening to this podcast, there is a hole, there is a missing piece of family-friendly, faith-based vampire fiction. Okay? It's not there especially in the comics area. So if you're looking for a niche, if you're looking for a place to sit where not a lot of people have gone before, this is it. Faith-based, family-friendly vampire comics. Write it, produce it, publish it, send it to me. I'll do a review right here so that you can, so that you can uh, promote it. So I'm just going to put that out there. Until those people make those uh, until those people make those stories, we've got the Usborne graphic novel. Um, as I stated before, the point of this graphic novel seems to be to introduce the story to younger readers. The, the panels are very simplistic. They're easy to follow. It's a story about vampires, so there are some scary scenes. And it's not so much scary in what they, what they show as it is just the, the situations themselves. You know, you're reading about... Uh, hearing things that go bump in the night and that kind of thing. So, you know, if, if your child is easily scared, this might be one to be careful around. But uh, it's not over-the-top scary. The blood content is minimal. Like, the only time you see blood in this story at all is when you see a trickle of blood dripping off of Dracula's chin shortly after he's bitten someone. And that's it. And I'm sure you can understand, for it being a vampire story, the fact that that was the extent of blood in the story is huge it says a lot even when they kill the vampires the vampires just turn to dust there's not this big you know exploding volcano of blood squirting everywhere i mean it's it's just it's just the state goes in the vampire turns to dust that's it um they did leave out some characters and some plot points that aren't necessarily vital to the main story that are in the original story. For example, the character of Renfield uh, is not in the graphic novel version at all. A couple of other things that happened in uh, in Dracula are changed. There's, there's one scene in, in particular where um, uh, Dracula says that he has an offering for some of his vampires that live in the in the castle and the story doesn't really go into what's in the bag. They just say it's, it's some kind of animal in the original story. Uh, it suggested that maybe it was a baby. So, uh, they cleaned the story up a lot for kids. So if you're trying to introduce your child to Dracula, this Usborne graphic novel is really the way to do it. It is, it is as family friendly as you can get for a vampire story with it still being about vampires as we understand them. I mean, to get any more family friendly than this, you would have to like make it cartoony vampire, like, you know, Scooby-Doo type things. Uh, so if you want to introduce your kids to the classic of Dracula, but want to do it in such a way that it won't give them nightmares at night, definitely this is the way to do it. It's a great comic book uh, version. It's very clean. It's not overly bloody. It gets scary because it is about Dracula, but ultimately good wins in the end. 
And uh, so I can highly recommend it for that. Dracula, the Usborne graphic classic is written by Russell Punter and the art is done by Valentino Forlini and it's published by Usborne. You can get your copy at several places, uh, including Usborne product sellers. Usborne has, you know, people that, that sell their stuff so you can get from them. But if you want to buy from them directly, you can go to usborne.com. Just search for uh, Dracula, the graphic illustrated classic, and it'll come up. All right, guys, thank you for tuning in for this special episode of Fangtober. Be sure to follow Geek Devotions on all of our social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, the whole works. Also, be sure to subscribe to us on your favorite podcast catchers and leave reviews. We like to hear feedback. Until then, stay devoted, peace, and love.